Welcome to the 1110 Leadership Podcast, where we tackle issues at the intersection of leadership, faith, and culture. I'm your host, Rob Shields, Vice President of Strategy at 1110 Leadership, and I'm joined by my co-host, founder and CEO of 1110 Leadership, David Spicker. Proverbs 1110 lays out a bold and countercultural vision. When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. We're here to ask, what does it look like practically to be this type of leader? Leaders willing to invest everything they have so that everyone around them can thrive. Join us on the journey as we lean in, listen, and learn how to become Proverbs 1110 kind of leaders. The kind of leaders that make our cities rejoice. All right, David. Hello, Rob. We're back again. Good to see you. It's good to see you too. I know for our podcast listeners, they they don't get to see us. That's that's their loss, though. You know, that's that's their loss. We don't we don't make these videos available, but it it is helpful for recording a podcast, be able to mm-hmm. see each other. Mm-hmm. It's it's real authentic. Well, I mean, we're here to talk about relationships today, right? For sure. Yeah. I feel like we should we should be modeling it well. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, I'm excited about this one. We're we're continuing to make our way through the Thrive acronym, and today we're rolling up our sleeves to talk about how to have authentic relationships at work. That's the R in the Thrive acronym. That's the R. That's thank you, thank you for that. That's good. I I honestly was complimenting our listener to say they were already going to put that together, but you know. All right, let's let's just jump straight into this thing because there's there's a lot, a lot that we could talk about. So much of Thrive is about relationships, right? You can't really talk about trust. You can't talk about impact, value, all all the whole acronym. There's a relational undercurrent to it. So jumping straight into it, David, how do you go about just even checking the oil on the car here on the authenticity of your work relationships as a leader? Well, that's a good question. There are a lot of things. We ask questions in our assessment around relationships. Things like how much do you spend time with your coworkers outside of work? Do you do, do people know your birthday and do they celebrate your birthday? People laugh at that question thinking that's not a big deal, but you know, quite honestly, it's a big deal. A lot of people say, you know, I want you to know my birthday. I'm not going to tell you it's my birthday, but I want you to know it's my birthday. And it's a way that they feel valued when people know their birthday. David, when, when is my birthday? I'm putting you on the spot. Oh my goodness, Rob. December 28th. Oh my goodness. Wow. He nailed it. All right. I have a follow-up question. Can I get away with a follow-up question here? Absolutely. This is going to be the true test. When is my wife's birthday? Well, normally that would be a hard question, but I know it's also December 28th. Ah, I mean, you gave me just one. It's day still to impressive. <laughs> it's still impressive, honestly. I mean, I think to, about I it. To, I didn't have to remember two dates. I'm just, that makes me feel good. And I think to our listeners, hey, you're not asking them to do anything that you're not already practicing. And I just think, I think that that says a lot. So there you go. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's interesting that there's a lot of information around people going to work with, people who they consider their friends and they show that people stay at work when they are working with a friend. In fact, here's a study according to Sherm, 76% of U.S. workers who have a close friends at work say it makes them more likely to remain with their employer 
And a quarter of U.S. workers who have close friends at work say that if their friend left their job, they would consider leaving too. So it's important as leaders that we understand that and create an environment where people can relate to one another in such a way that they can build friendship. And that can be a challenge in a work environment, but it certainly can be an opportunity as well. Hmm. Yeah, I think even just when you think about the disconnectedness of our society, you know, COVID exacerbated some of that, kind of revealed some of the, the fault lines of maybe the strain that we already had as a society around relationships and community, a sense of community. And I know we're going to get to that here in a little bit, but just we need it. We all need it. We can experience it at work, but shouldn't be just looking to work for that. So let's talk around this idea around vulnerability for a second. A lot of leaders are afraid if they're in a leadership position to really let their guard down kind of under the name of professionalism, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think there, and it can be, there can be a real fear to show what they deem as weakness, right? I don't, I don't want to show chinks in the armor in kind of this cutthroat business context where it's a, I, I can't fail because if I fail, I'm going to get fired. So that means I can't even say what I'm afraid that I might fail because I've just got to be strong all the time and I've got to be perfect. Can you talk about how in that culture, kind of American work culture, where we, we bring a lot of that pressure, or maybe even we all have, even as leaders, may have leaders above us where that's an expectation. Can you talk about the role of vulnerability in leadership? Why do leaders fear it? And what are they missing out on without it in a work mm-hmm. context? Well, you're right. A lot of leaders feel like we have to have it all together. And that's what leadership looks like. Brene Brown says, when, you, when talking about vulnerability, and she does a tremendous amount of work and thinking around vulnerability, particularly in the workplace, she says, it's, you know, it's not a weakness, it's your greatest strength. And so for the leaders that we work with, I would say that most need to grow in the level of vulnerability that they demonstrate through their leadership. You want to be careful. You don't want to be someone who's who's oversharing in the workplace. There certainly are boundaries, but typically the the need is to push people down the road of of increased vulnerability. And I want to back up a little bit because it's easy for us to think about this now in the work context. But for leaders truly to be healthy, they need to think about their relationships in a much broader context. And even this idea of vulnerability needs to be applied in a broader context. So when we're working with leaders, particularly leaders of faith, but not exclusively leaders of faith, first we talk about our our relationship with God and the priority that that has to be and the ways that which we are, you know, making sure that we're giving time to having an authentic relationship with God. But then secondly, we're talking with them about our relationships at home, particularly with our spouses. And that if we are not paying attention to having authentic relationships with our spouse, where we're healthy and we're able to be vulnerable and we're able to love them and cherish them and give time and space and value to our marriage relationship, it doesn't matter what's happening at work or you know, even for us to focus on the relationships that we have at work, if that's not in a good place, we need to make that a priority. And it's really easy for leaders to overlook that or take it for granted. And But you can't be a thriving leader 
if your relationship with your spouse, your marriage is not thriving. And then the other is this idea of having peer relationships. These are people who are close friends who would be outside of work, typically. These are people who I would say are people with whom we have such a close, authentic relationship with them that we are able to openly confess sin with someone. So this is one or two people in our lives as leaders where we pursue them with intentionality to get to the point where we are so close that we have the freedom to have that kind of sharing with one another to protect us. Because we all as leaders need to be covered by people who know what's going on with us, to who can hold us accountable, who can be places of refuge when we have real things going on. Because most of us in our world at work are isolated, alone, we're dealing with major issues, a lot of stress and anxiety, things that can really derail us. And if we're not covered by people who really know and care for us, we could be in a very, very dangerous place. So, and I found in my life that that is not a right to have that kind of relationship. You have to pursue it. You have to pray for it. You have to take time to find someone where you can have that mutual interaction. But that is extremely important, again, for us to be thriving as leaders and then begin to apply this idea of being vulnerable in the workplace so that we are appropriately letting people into our world. This idea of the personal and professional, some people think that that doesn't mix, but I would say it can mix and it should mix. And there are appropriate ways to do that where people see us as real people. We can be people who have bad days mm. and we can express how frustrated we are or how we're struggling with a certain thing. Again, being careful not to over overshare when it's not appropriate, but to be people who are authentic and ones in which people feel like they can relate to the leader because of the way that they're demonstrating that vulnerability. Yeah, that's good. I, I know you're going to, I want for our listeners, you're going to speak more to, to kind of that work context around what is, what it looked like to display vulnerability. But you know, the, the late Tim Keller, you know, we talked about the idea that it starts at home and you, then you bring that into your work. You know, I just think about that quote, I, I believe it's from his book, the meaning of marriage when it talks about how, you know, circumstantially you could be, good. You could be killing it at work, but if if your marriage relationship or your home relationships, your closest ones, most intimate ones are are weak, you move out into the world in weakness. But the inverse is also true where mm-hmm. if your circumstances are terrible, you know, work is not going well, but home is, then you actually move out into the world in strength. Yeah, and I would, of course, we include our those of us who have kids too. That along with our spouses, it's extremely important. And all of us who are parents, you know, we we find that job to be extremely challenging. And definitely, often, definitely some bad days there, right? We, we all <laughs> we all got feel, bad days. Yeah, we often feel like we fail. I mean, you know, it's an art, not a science, mm-hmm. to be a parent, particularly as our kids grow older. I would say for me, that was really helpful and has been helpful for me is just really being committed to presence with my family, with my kids, like whatever that looked like for me. I just wanted to make that a priority. I wanted my kids to see that their dad was present 
and that was not just physically, but also, you know, emotionally and paying attention to them and making them a priority. And so again, these things, but, but that's, that's even the way you think about it at work, you know, as a leader, part of what happens when you're in the grindstone at, at work is we have our checklists and try all the things that we're get, getting, trying to get done. And we forget we have people, <laughs> we have people who've come to work for us and our job is to invest in them, empower them, help them be their best selves, help them achieve things that they didn't even know that they could achieve. And that means then we have to be present. We have mm. to be present both with them, but also kind of present in terms of knowing them, knowing what makes them tick and being people with whom they can feel a connection so that they can achieve far more than, than they ever thought they could achieve. So it's, it's, and, and it's this idea of being a coach versus a boss, you know, and good coaches know how to build really good relationships with their team and then help those teams build great relationships with each other so that they're locked arm in arm together on mission together to try to accomplish a goal. And anybody who's been in a situation, whether it's a team sport or you might be in the military or a theater group, you know, doing a play or performance, you know, this, this incredible interaction that you have with a team and the relationships that you build, the memories that you build and the way you go through things together and persevere. And you have that leader who's setting the vision helping you know where to go, putting people in the right seats, and then connecting relationally in such a way that people feel connected to one another. That's really what it looks like to build relationships at work. I love that others focus, right? You know, the idea of you mentioning you, you coming into work, everybody's got their own to-do list. But if you are in the business of working with people, you know, if chat GPT hasn't replaced all of your workforce just yet, and you're still in the human business, I love, I love what Andy Crouch says around this. He says, leadership doesn't begin with a title or a position. It begins the moment you are concerned more about others flourishing than you are about your own. Oh, that's amazing. That's a great quote. And I think that's the through line from home and work, right? Like you apply that in both spaces. Vulnerability is going to look different in both those contexts. You need to have it in both contexts, but it's an others-centered perspective, right? If you, and, and marriage can help kind of, hopefully if you do it the right way, it'll, it'll weed that selfishness out of you. And, and as it should, and you're, you're better for it because when you take an other center mentality, your relationships can flourish. No doubt. And it's hard. It's hard to do that because why we're yeah. selfish. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. We're sinners. You know, yeah. I, I think, we're I, I broken people. My, I don't, I think about my stuff, not your stuff, but also I might, be afraid of like, if I empower you, then what do I do? Like, how, how do I then envision the things of, of how this impacts my job? But everyone knows when you have that celebration at the end and you're so excited about what other people have accomplished versus what you've accomplished, you know, you've hit the mark. I love that that connects back to our, our previous episode around health, right? This idea of being safe and secure in our identity. Mm-hmm. That's huge here. You can't go in to relationships. If you're insecure, you're going to be grasping for what can I get from this person, not what can I give. And that's why it's, it goes back to this idea of are you resting? Do you have a rhythm of Sabbath rest in your life where you're confident enough in who you are apart from work that you can stop? 
there's a level of security and rootedness in our identity here that enables rest, but also enables authentic relationships. Mm-hmm. And I just, it would be appropriate to talk about this, particularly in the light of the results from COVID and how people are now working remotely. It's becoming real challenge to think through this. And the, again, those companies that we're engaged with are having to make decisions around what people want in terms of their freedom and their flexibility with the ability to work from home and then how much to require people to be in the office. And so if, if, you know, those of you are listening are remote, this becomes much more challenging and therefore much needs to be part of a rhythm to figure out how to be intentional, to connect with people with whom you work, even with distance, and then to make sure that there are, relationships in your life around you, supporting you and giving you that protection that we talk about. Hmm. You know, work is so different now when it comes to being present with people. And I'm, I'm afraid that some of our desire for remote work, and I'm, I'm all for it, but I think a lot of our desire to do that is because we just, we want to be alone. We want to be isolated. We want to do our own thing. We want to have our own flexibility. And we people are too messy. I just, yeah, people are too messy. I don't want to deal with you. And so it's just a lot easier for me not to deal with you today. And we can think that that's the best thing for us to be separate from people, but ultimately it is not. And so we need to find places where we're in close proximity, both with the people that we work with, as well as those in our broader community that can make sure that we're we're connected and have that covering that I talked about earlier. Yeah. I, what I'm hearing you is just, we need to be intentional mm-hmm. in every space where, where we have relationships and intentional to pursue those and, and get proximate in, in ways that, that are appropriate for each of those different contexts. Okay, so let's let's land the plane here. We always end our episodes now. Our listeners have gotten used to it with asking you what what's the bottom line. So when it comes to strengthening our relationships at work, David, give us give us the bottom line for for our listeners. Can I give you three bottom lines? That's allowed. Yeah, we we make the rules. <laughs> we make the rules here. This is our podcast, right? Perfect. We do whatever we want. All right. First bottom line is I would say, what is one step you can take that just allows you to be a little bit more vulnerable with the people that you lead, letting them in on something that's going on in your personal life, maybe even telling them what your birthday is, just one step to be vulnerable. Second step is really look for opportunities to put in your schedule ways in which you're going to invest in people. Make that a to-do to ensure that you are present with and thinking about how you're investing in your people and connecting with them relationally. And then third, I if you don't have that friend, <clears throat> that friend who is the one with whom you have freedom to share really the things that are going on in your life, a person with whom you feel comfortable and open to confess sin, pursue and pray for that person and hope that a person might come if that person is not in your life. And those three things are ways in which we can grow in our vulnerability, make sure we are known and have the covering around us to ensure that we continue to thrive as leaders. Yeah, I love I love the concept of covering. That's that's so good. Those are well worth going into two two bonus bottom lines. People are good, getting a lot more than they bargained for I in this episode. I appreciate you giving me that 
that freedom. Of course. All right. Until next time. Thank you, Rob. To learn more about 1110 Leadership, visit our website at 1110leadership.com. That's the numerals 11, then spelled out T-E-N leadership.com. That's 11-T-E-N leadership.com. There you'll find more resources to equip you on the journey of becoming an 1110 leader. You can also get connected to our growing leadership network. If you've enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. To help others find us, you can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.